0: This morning I want to, feel the Lord's doing something, so we're just going to try to follow him this morning. Amen. Martin Luther said, This life, therefore, is not godliness, but the process of becoming godly. Not health, but getting well. Not being, but becoming. Not rest, but exercise. We are not now what we shall be but we are on the way. The process is not yet finished, but is actively going on. This is not the goal, but it is the right road. At present, everything does not gleam and sparkle, but everything is being cleansed. Good words, huh, man? We live in a a life that, that echoes this. Sometimes in the church, as a Christian, we feel like we're supposed to already be perfect and cleansed, and when you have a struggle, you, you, you feel like you're less than and, and maybe not part because you, you have a, a sin issue or something going on in your life. We look around at the world and see uh, catastrophes and disasters and, and wickedness, just absolute wickedness. There's no other word for some of the things that happen in, in this world. And we wonder what it all is, but this says it so well because we are in a process. And the world that we live in is a, in a fallen state. The world that we live in is not the world that we will inherit in the future. The Bible says in the end times at the very, very final end that God will create a new heaven and a new earth and the new Jerusalem shall descend from the skies and God will make his dwelling among his people. And church, heaven is going to be a new earth and that heaven is going to be with god we will be with him forever able to go in and out of the new jerusalem in paradise uh, and it's just amazing but i tell you this world as amazing as it is and it's a beautiful place that big bear can be this is nothing compared to what god is preparing and will will happen in the enti- in the very very end for eternity the world we live in is a fallen world. It's been a fallen world since the fall of Adam in the Garden of Eden. Remember back when God created everything and He put man and woman in the Garden of Eden, it was a glorious paradise. It was, it was amazing. And the, the water brought up the, the, the earth, just brought up the streams and watered everything. And it was uh, beautiful, amazing. I, I even have a thought that possibly in the Garden of Eden, the snake was not the only thing talking. I think that there might have actually been communication between man and the animals. And here's the reason why. Just real simple. This is I'm not saying this is true, but for sure. But I, I lean this way. Because when the serpent began to talk to Eve, she had a conversation back. If a serpent began to have a conversation with me, I'd be doing everything but talking back. I'd be like, wah! <laughs> so is it possible that, that the animals spoke I absolutely absolutely. But when sin happened, this earth became cursed and we now live in a fallen world where death happens, where sickness happens. Even the earth itself, I believe, is under the curse and we have, you know, God created this amazing ball that we have here that we're floating on and, and, you know, talk to any scientists and talk, you know, ask them how amazing it is that there is actually life on this planet, how delicate of a state it is that we have life, that the trees grow, that the atmosphere works, that the sun isn't baking us to death and we're not getting sucked out into space because of perfect gravity and everything else. I mean, it's absolutely a miracle and I am not ashamed to say atheists, people who do not believe that there is a God, have way more faith than I do to believe that this whole thing just happened without a creator of some type is absolutely absurd and and but we believe that there wasn't just a creator but a, a, a creator who was intimately involved with this, and he created this this thing and this earth keeps moving on and it has a process until the very end strangely because of the fall possibly I'm not sure this earth has things like earthquakes and famines happen. And I, I think a lot of famines actually probably happen because of man's wickedness. But we have hurricanes and things like that, and we have catastrophes. And it's really hard at times to live a life uh, of faith when you're going through a personal struggle, when we have people in the church or friends that have, a, have cancer or, or who've, who've gone and uh, passed away already for reasons that they shouldn't have, P, uh, young, young people taking their own lives. Um, uh drug addiction um just accidents all these things even just you know you you know that over this last weekend how many people died in a car accident or a drunk driving um accident it was a shame and it should not have happened we live in this fallen world full of trauma and and difficulties every day and it's not going to change until jesus comes back we have to live in this but we can't just pretend it doesn't happen we have to work through it. And even today as we're praying for the hurricane and on the, on the uh, east coast, and I, I don't know if we've even heard from my brother who's, who's living in North Carolina, um, but there's people still, we're wondering where they are, and apparently I didn't even know about the, the hurricane in the Philippines. Thanks for bringing that one to our attention so we could pray. Uh, we, we know people in the Philippines. Um, are, are they okay? Are they okay? These things come, so our our faith gets shaken. We have to put our hope and our trust in the Lord. But one of the problems is that we sometimes feel that everything is supposed to be okay here on this earth. That as a Christian, if you if you put your faith in Christ, then how come we're going through struggles still? And that's something we all we all probably all of us have dealt. Or are dealing with or will deal with in the future God I have put my faith in you I've put my trust in you hey I even give money into that thing that comes across every week where are you now and those are difficult difficult things to understand but the first part is we have to understand that we are living in a result of sin this whole world is not the way God intended it originally and at this, all this, I'm very honest, if you're visiting for this church, I'm a very transparent, very uh, open open guy. There are things that just boggle my mind, because God knows everything, right? He does know everything, but he, but he put Adam and Eve in the garden, and, and he knew that they were going to sin, and yet his intention was not that we would. So here we are, 6,000 plus some years later, living in a world that, that your neighbors and, and yourselves and your family are, are, we have sickness and there's violence and there's crime. Uh, things happen that, that are abhorrent in this, in this life. You know, think of some of the crimes that get done. We're not going to be gory and talk about details of things today, but we all know, as even as I'm talking about this, some of the things that we've heard happen to young people, uh, to, to one to another in wars and Rwanda, different things. That is a result of sin. That's a result of this fallen world that we live in. And our goal, in our, our, what we need to do is figure out how to live in Christ, putting our hope in Him. Now, as we go back, even to the time of, of Jesus and, and everything, everything from before this time in the time of Jesus, the disciples themselves, the first ones to put their hope in faith in Christ, were going through the same struggles that we are people died in fact we know that in history we now have the um, we're living the longest now I think it's just beginning to shorten up just a hair but what is about 77 years is, is the average life expectancy In many of the cultures before us the average life expectancy was 47 to 52 had, they had hard lives we think we have it rough you know death has always been part of the situation death a sickness has always been there people used to die though of simple infections all the time if you've ever studied uh, the Civil War more people died from the infections than they did from their wounds American Revolution so sickness has always been here death has always been here destruction has always been here Uh, fires earthquakes anyone have ever heard of Vesuvius Right? I mean, come on, it blows up and just, that was the one that just like, everyone just gets like, uh, like just planted right there in the ash. Always, this is something we've always been, been, been dealing with and we are today. And so how do we, how do we get through this? And we have to understand, it's, it's actually really good to connect back with the early disciples, even as we've been going through the book of Ephesians, um, as he's talking talking about how we should live. You know, in the midst of, of Paul writing this great letter in the book of Ephesians, I, I hope you're reading it and, and even reading your commentaries and learning more about about how we're supposed to um, believe and how we're supposed to live, uh, we're, it, it just this amazing... Amazing time in Ephesians. He's talking about practical uh, things. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit this morning. But in the midst of all of that, they're also going through outward struggles, and he's not talking about any of it. He's not talking about, oh yeah, when they're coming over your house to behead you, this is how you should behave. Yet that's a possibility that's going to happen. You know, we have to remember that the believers in those times were under persecution. Uh, j- j- persecution from the government, persecution from, from every part of life. And yet, the church flourished under that persecution. And actually, shortly after the, the writing of Ephesians, when, when the Jerusalem uh, became under siege and, you know, they lit it on fire and killed Christians everywhere, that's actually when really the church began to really, really grow, it is under persecution. And why is that? Because if you have faith in God, when things get rough, what should happen to the believer is we get purified and we we put our faith more strongly in God. Not that he's going to save us from all of our woes. Paul the Apostle, he didn't make it out. It didn't work out very well for him. Ten of the eleven living disciples after Judas took off were all martyred for their faith. It didn't go well for them. But I've got a secret; it's going really well for them right now. Right? <laughs> ever think about that? It's going really, really good for them now. But they put their hope and their faith in this Jesus who we, we study every week, who we who we pray to, who we talk about. We they put their faith in this Jesus that Martin Luther was talking about, and and I love what he was uh, how, this when I found this. That he was talking about this life is, is not, it's godless. It's a process. It's a process, not being, but becoming. It's exercise. It's moving. We're on that faith journey. The, this life of Christianity is never supposed to be stagnant. We're supposed to be moving along. But the Bible says that we have to put our faith and our eyes on Christ. We've got to put him on the author and the finisher of our faith. And we, we have to remind ourselves that this is not all there is and the trials and the tribulation that we go through are extremely real and you can't make them go away just because you've put your faith in Christ Bible says that he walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death you are with me what we would like it to say is "Yea, I never have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death again yay Right? That's what, that's what we want. But it says that he's going to walk with us through that valley. He's going to see us through, but we have to continue and press in and live here on this earth with all of its difficulties and disease and discouragement and depression. Boy, we got a lot of D's in this world. And the devil starts with a D too. And these things are real. And so we have to we have, we need one another to encourage one another to walk with each other to not be so discouraged and despondent because it is a tough battle that we're fighting, putting our faith and our hope in the one to come, understanding that He actually loves us, He knows us, and He has a will and plan for our life, and He has a desire that we would walk with Him as we get into Ephesians, you know, this morning in chapter five that. Um, he didn't write the, the word for us, the Bible for us, as a list of do's and do nots just because he wanted to control us. You know, God is, God is not a controlling God. He actually knows more than we know and he has a plan for us and that he wants to help us get through. The thing is, is, he's way bigger than we are and he can see around. You know, when you think about with your kids or nephews or nieces, you know, as, as they're about running, you know, maybe, uh, you know, in, into your fireplace in the living room, they don't know that that's hot. You know, they start running right toward it. You're big. You've burned yourself already on the fire, and you know that that's hot, and they're running over there, and you grab them, and you pull them back, and you say, no. They look at you. And what do they do? Run right back to the fireplace, because for for them it's pretty and for you it's crispy <laughs> right? and so you you you're bigger than them and so you know and you set them over there and you, and you a little whack on their hand no touch and they cry and and they don't understand and they just think that you're trying to control them and they don't the kids don't like to be controlled do they oh my goodness We're the same. We just don't always understand that we see fun and God sees brokenness, disaster. Some of the things, and then with time, just as the little kid finds out, finds out, oh yeah, it wasn't just pretty, it was crispy. We find out that what we think is fun is detrimental. God wants to save us from that. I love science and I love even psychology, not, not psychology, but like psychoanalysis of the brain. Scientists are finding out why we do what we do, why the earth functions the way it was. And all it ever, ever does for me is proves that God knew what he was doing. You know, you know, science has definitely proven how important it is for a child to look into their parents' eyes often and bond with them. You can't just leave a child to raise themselves. And God put us in families for a reason. Children be, need both a, a mother and a father to, to do best in life. God knew that. Because, because, see, not all personalities and characteristics are found in just a man or just a woman. So God created the two to make one perfect union. Of course, there is no perfect unions out there because we're fallen. but follow me along. And this child needs both a man and a woman to help raise it. God knows that. Science is more and more coming in. They're just kind of having to admit it. Well, yeah, that's kind of true. They need families and they need this connection and they need to bond. And yeah, right. We knew that because God set it in motion. God set all these things in motion. So as we go into even Ephesians this morning, and, and I've been struggling um, because we're in this section when four and, and five, that's a lot of what could look as rules. And, and I don't like to just preach like don't do this and don't do this and don't do this. Because I don't want us to ever feel like God is just the big God up there. Somebody said you know, recently that God's like a big you know, little kid with a magnifying glass burning ants some of you feel like I felt like an ant some days just like just getting fried and what is he doing to me that's not God he's not up there just trying to control us or or abuse us or hurt us but he actually knows so as we in in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 we continue on in in what he's been talking about and last week we talked it that paul was helping us to work through our anger and and we're supposed to work and and not steal and we're supposed to labor we're supposed to give to those who need it we even talked about our words let all bitterness in verse 31 wrath anger clamor evil speaking let it be put away from you with all malice be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And that's already a list that we can just be under. And so we go into five, and we're like, oh, good. It feels like it's going to let up a little bit, because I'm under a lot of pressure here, God. Give me a break. And he says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given Himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. It's getting better, and then He starts going in again, but fornication. And you know, all uncleanness, and now sometimes you're like, Can I read this? Should my kids be reading this? But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let us not even be named among you as fitting for saints, neither filthiness or foolish talking or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, but has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God, let no one deceive you with empty words. And it goes on, and we're like, that there can feel like a lot of weight. And pretty soon he's going to start talking about being drunk and debauchery and all of these other things. And it can feel like a weight. But we need to put ourselves back and remember that God is a God of love who created us to have relationship with him and fellowship with him. And he desires us to walk in a in a righteous way, in a holy way, not so that we're just righteous and holy, but because it's actually... Better for us. You know, shame comes on people when they do horrible things to other people. There's guilt and shame, and the only way to to cover it up is to is to repent and get forgiveness from the Lord, or harden your heart, callous it, and keep doing it until it just becomes not even real anymore. How can how can some of the people do the things that they do to other people because they've calloused their heart? They worked past the shame and the guilt. God doesn't ever want us to have the shame nor the guilt. And he and the verse 1 and 2 here is where we need to key in on this whole passage of how God wants us to live. Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. You think of... Your, your, your kids, I love to watch kids and parents. I love to watch little kids follow their parents, the little boys trying to walk just like dad, do things just like dad. Dad picks up a rock, little kid picks up a rock. If dad throws it, the kid tries to do it just the same. Kids imitate their parents all the time. And Paul is helping us going, listen, kids, imitate your father. Imitate God. And, oh, man, that's, that's a really tough one because we don't get to see him. But he gave us his heart and his actions, and he wants us to imitate him. The word of God contains the things that we're supposed to imitate. And the word imitate, it, it actually is the same word that would be mimic. Uh, that's actually the Greek is, is mimeo, I think is how it's pronounced. And it, it, it's to mimic, to just do exactly like him. But it says, as dearly as dear children. We're not just we're not supposed to try to copy him, but do it as a child would do it. A child does it with love. A child does it with admiration, care, and respect. This, this big person in my life is, for them, it's like God. He, he, they love me. They care for me. And a child wants to be like them. We're not supposed to imitate God because we're afraid of him. We're not supposed to imitate God because I need to be holy and righteous because I'm a Christian. But fall in love and say, Wow, if this is if the creator of the universe, if his attributes are love, care and kindness, lots of strength, and he, he actually hates you know, God hates. He hates things that are bad for people. He hates sin. Hates it with a with a vengeance. You know, and we're actually supposed to hate sin. We're, we're, we're supposed to really have a hatred. We're supposed to be... De- He's a defender of the widows. We, we look at his care and his, his attributes and we go, I'm supposed to imitate him. And, and verse 2 says, we walk in love. And that's, that's a really tough one and it gives us the example here as Christ also has loved us. And this is in given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God as a sweet-smelling aroma. There was a lot of sacrifices in the Old Testament, and some of them were, were, would go up in, into uh, God's nostrils as a, as a sweet-smelling aroma, and that's when Christ died. It was pleasing to God in the sense that Jesus died so we could all be forgiven and have life, and that's how much he loved us. So we have to remember that we walk in love with our neighbors, with our family members, with our enemies, with everyone who is different from us. i I, I saw a post on on Facebook today, and or yes, yesterday wasn't today. I haven't done Facebook today. And, and it was just really, good talking about forgiving one another and, and loving one another. And it, and it listed, yes, we're supposed to actually love and forgive one another, even if they are, and it listed all of these things, a different color than you. Even if they are of a different sexual orientation than you, if they are homosexual or transgender, we're supposed to love Muslims. You're supposed to love Republicans you're supposed to love Democrats wow think of it are we really we're supposed to love everyone it's easy to love the people that are that are close to you it's it's easy to love the people that love you back but we're supposed to love and we're supposed to walk in love you know there's way too much divisiveness as so we love one another and we love God As Christ loved us and then it goes back and it starts in verse 3 this another list that we already read it some of these things that we're not supposed to do well we actually find out that what fornication uncleanness covetousness all of these things are bad for you and they're also bad for other people you know they they've they've proven when when you have sex outside of marriage with other people there is something happens to your soul and you have a connection with that person. And so every time you go from one person to another and you're sleeping around, you're, you're actually damaging yourself and damaging the person that you're sleeping with. And then when, they, when you go to get married or when they go to get married, they're bringing a, a shell of a person because of all that intimacy. That's, sexual intimacy is supposed to be the, the, the most amazing intimacy and it's supposed to be there just for a husband and a wife. Not because God doesn't want you to have fun because God knows what it does, and he wants you to bond with somebody for life. So we're not, we don't do that. And covetousness, we, we need to be grateful for what we have and not be worrying about what other people have. Uncleanness, filthiness, foolish talking, coarse jesting. You know, this type of of, of, of speech is, is talking about... Um, Saying things that hurt other people. Well, there's a lot of ways that we can say things that hurt other people. One is if we just say mean things to people, putting them down, cut, cut downs. Those aren't supposed to be happening. But, but what about coarse jesting? Of Is this, just, is this filthy language? Is this is bad words? It might be because if you have a potty mouth and you cuss and other people around you are offended by it and you hurt their spirit, then you're not walking in love by using language that is offensive to them. <coughs> is it a sin to, 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 you know, say the S word instead of poo-poo? You know, a hundred years ago, they used that word all the time, and it was it wasn't vul- at some point it became vulgar in about the last hundred years. They would just say it. It meant poo-poo. You know, some people say kaka, and they, ooh, that's getting in the crap. Oh, man. That's really bad, right? Well, it's just a word. Now, some of you, if you were offended that I just said crap, I I actually, I want to apologize because I don't want to offend anyone. And and see, if, if vulgarity actually hurt somebody, and, and if I did this right now, I mean, we, you know, I, I, half of us have to close our eyes. If I said, raise your hand, if you are, are actually kind of hurt and offended at vulgarity, and you don't even know why, it just goes, oh, I bet you a lot of hands would go up. So, at least some vulgarity. There's sometimes when I hear it, I'm like, oh, man, it just, it does something to me. Well, as a Christian, if, if that's your style and you realize that's what you're doing, are you walking in love? No. Then quit it. There's a lot of words in the English language. You don't have to say the F word in between words to make your point. How about it was a really great time? Instead, it was an F great time. I mean, right? Wow. That was hard. Said Really? Instead, okay, I, I digress. But see, part of that is filthy language and corrupt talk. We don't need to have that. This should be, and it says it's not part of our life. And we should never be putting people down. We shouldn't be telling jokes that might cause other people to have a bad thought. Okay, guys, we got to be careful, men. We like dirty jokes, and it's really quiet in here. It's really quiet in here, I man. I'm gonna look at the fire guys. I'm gonna balls at the back. Come on, right? You know, I mean, you know, some of us we we like dirty jokes. There's something in us that want to tell them. We gotta be careful. Are they fitting? I'm not saying try to be a holier-than-thou person, but you know, are your jokes lifting up people? Are they lifting up God? Are they offending other people? You start telling these jokes. What happens in the mind of somebody? What if they're struggling with, with pornography and you're telling dirty jokes? makes them want to go watch porn how did you help them then just being real so so god created us to love one another and to to walk together and it's all because he loves us and he wants us to love others and what i love is just those things it's just not fitting like that's like it feels so gracious he didn't condemn us he just says guys It's just not fitting for us. Why? Well, we read already that we used to be dead in sins, but now we're alive in Christ, and we're about to go through that exact same thing. He's going to get into that in just a moment. I don't know if we will, but Paul does, so you can keep reading. I want to clear up verse 5 real quick before I go on to the light part. It says, this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. This isn't talking about Christians who are true believers, who've truly been redeemed by the Lord, who tell a bad joke, or maybe they, they're, they're unmarried and they go out and have sex and they shouldn't, that they're going to go to hell for that and they'll lose their salvation. That's not what this is talking about. We believe our salvation is, is, is not easily lost. It's very secure. You can't go, oops, I sinned and go to hell. This is for people who habitually are living this kind of life. They are a fornicator. They are a liar. They are an unclean person. They are covetous. They don't covet sometimes. They're not trying to get over it. that's who they are, what they are. They are idolaters. They have no inheritance. In other words, they are outside of the kingdom of God. Now, if these things are part of the, a person's life if 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 they you can't separate that they that they're a, they're just a, a an idolater they're a covetous person they're a fornicator you know not that we use that word a lot if that if that des, uh, describes their life that person better check to see if they're really truly in the faith Because I think we're supposed to die to sin and we're supposed to be alive in Christ. Those things shouldn't be what we're living in. That should be the things that we're putting off. Remember last week, we're putting it off, we're putting on these things. If that is not the characteristic of putting off and putting on happening, then we need to see, are we truly saved? We can't judge somebody else's salvation. But I think we're supposed to encourage people to tell them, are you sure you're in the faith? So don't be worried about losing your salvation, but, but if you're, you're plagued with these things, you might say, man, did I really repent? Did I really come to Christ? And, and deal with that. And here it says in verse 6, it says, let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Here's what happens. People will tell you that's just stuffy rules. You don't have to follow the Bible. That's just antiquated rules for a bygone day. That's the empty philosophy it's talking about. And we hear that all the time. We hear it all the time. You know, God God created you as a sexual being. Just go out and be sexual. All the rules about not doing that, that's just, that's for antiquated times. No. Don't be deceived with empty words. Those are empty words. And, And we could have testimonies. I, we could right now have testimonies of people who lived that way in the past, that God set free. They could come up here and say, I'll tell you the truth. Those were empty words. It does affect you. God knows what he's talking about. You can't live that way and come out unscathed. I, I, that's, that's what, so we have to remember, no, no, don't listen to the deceiving words that say sin is okay. Sin is okay. That was for a different time. No. We're not supposed to be partakers of them. And here it comes. Why? Because we were once darkness, the Bible says, but now you are light in the Lord. It doesn't even just say that you were in the darkness. It says you were darkness, and now you are light. If you're in Christ, you are light, and with light comes, I love this, this trinity of words here, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. If we're, we are light in the Lord, and the fruit of that is goodness, righteousness, and truth. And that's what should mark our lives. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. And there's that truth. We talked about that last week. We don't lie. We're honest. We speak the truth. We speak it in love. Goodness, righteousness. Verse 10 says this. I love this. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. There's some homework this week. Guys, go home. Find out what is acceptable to the Lord. Are you curious about things going on in your life? Go ask God. Go seek his word. Hey, Lord, I'm wondering about these things in my life. Is is some of this out of place? I don't want to have out of place things in my life. Is this what you're talking about? Spend some time praying, reading the Bible, getting counsel. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. The word fellowship is, is key here. We all work with people who are unsaved. We all... Uh, with some of it has family members that are that are really in darkness the The idea of fellowship is that that being in agreement with there's a there's a scripture and forgive me i i'm not sure exactly where it is right now um but it says um don't don't eat with a sinner um we're not supposed to even you know give your hand and you know the right hand of fellowship and and so i've actually met people who won't shake somebody's hand i'm like you're crazy that's not what he's talking about the idea was it was similar to this Uh, you know many years ago even in the United States here a a guy would go and say hey I want a loan from the bank and and I'd like to borrow $5,000 and the bank would say okay I'll give it to you I know who you are and they would do this give me your hand the deal is done right that was it what did I do I agreed to pay pay him $5,000 back he agreed to loan it to me and we we were in agreement that's that We're not supposed to be in agreement with the lifestyle of those that, that are, don't know the Lord. You're not supposed to agree with them that their lifestyle is good. doesn't mean you're supposed to hate them, because we just said walk in love. So we love them, but we don't agree with their sin. And so at times, we have to actually remove ourselves from the situation so that they don't feel like we are agreeing with it, or figure out how to let them know that, you know, I'm not in agreement with this. And, and I don't believe we're supposed to point, it says expose that. I don't think we're supposed to go, that's sin, that's sin, that's sin, that's sin that's not what we're talking about but as you walk in the lord and as you are light and you aren't in fellowship with those that are in darkness your light exposes their darkness it just happens i one of the funniest things ever happened i know i probably shared this a couple of times hopefully it's been long enough and you forgot Get out of my car. I'm at the parking lot of a bank. There is a guy I've known for a lot of years who has come to Christ, but I haven't seen him for a long time at church. And he walks up to me, and I, and I go, "Hey, Randy." He goes, "Hey." He goes, "So what? I got a beer in the bag." I am. I'm. That's. Yeah. That was it. So what? I got a beer in the bag. My light exposed his darkness, and and I want to be clear. Not not because a beer is bad. But he was away from the Lord. He, he wasn't serving the Lord in that time. He was backsliding. And my presence, my light exposed his dark. That is so fun. I mean, it really is. When you walk in a, into a room or something and people just kind of go, huh. You know, it's, it, sometimes it's kind of like being the loneliest person. Yeah, I used to do weddings for a living. I was the loneliest person at most weddings. Because nobody wants to talk to the pastor. Before the wedding, I'm chatting with everyone and doing all that. They're all great. And all of a sudden, pretty soon, they come oh, pastor, we're going to start. And they go, oh. They wouldn't talk to me the rest of the time. But your light does expose darkness. Why? Was it because I was mean to them or was I judging them? No, we were having a great conversation. The moment they found out that I was a pastor, something in them goes, why? Because they actually know they're in darkness. There, you don't have to say things. People get convicted by the Holy Spirit. Remember, that was a couple weeks ago too. We're witnesses. We're not the Holy Spirit. We're not the judge. We just talk about God. Holy Spirit brings conviction. Eventually God will judge and we want to see people come to Christ before that happens. Okay, I'm going to finish up here. Walk in the light. Remember, we were darkness. We have no place with that anymore. We're now in the, in the light. We don't live a life of rules because God wants us to just do that. We just want to imitate God because he knows better than us. This is great. As as Paul's letter is just going on, we're going to get into pretty soon uh, some talks about marriage and family and encouragement there. You know, Paul's just trying to encourage the the believers. And here's one of the things I think I was thinking about in, in my study. As I'm reading all this list... I mean, like, He hits all of it, and we, did, we didn't get there. We, we, we even missed some of it, talking about being um, wise and unwise, and he, we want to be wise, we want to be drunk, we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he starts really hitting all this stuff. I thought, why did he name everything? And I, and I just kind of felt like this thing came over me. He's like, he named all these little things. I mean, a ton of them is because it's just like somebody to be listening to a list of things, bad things, and they go, nope, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, I'm good. So Paul, like, gets them all. So if you're sitting out there reading the letter, us reading reading the scripture, hearing it, and you hear, don't do this, don't do that, I'm good, 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 good. Eventually you're going to go, ugh, got me, right? Right? All right, so, 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 so by confession, if you've been gotten any time in the last month of, of preaching, raise your hand. Okay. All right. Most of us, while well, i got pre- to preach until the rest is raised right hand. No, but keep that hand up. I'm serious. And we're, now we're going to raise the other hand. And we're going to say, God, forgive us. We fall short, but we thank you for your grace. We thank you for mercy, God. We lift our hands up like a little kid would lift up to their father or their mother. Pick us up. Embrace us. Forgive us. God, we want to be imitators of you. We want to have love one for another, for strangers, because of Christ's love for us. He loved us when we were his enemy because we were in sin. God, help us to love as Christ loved. Help us to be imitators. God, in that love that we have for one another, help us to not do things that actually hurt other people with our words or with our actions. God, this morning we, we admit we, we've fallen short. But we thank you for your grace and your mercy to forgive us, set us on the rock, point us towards hope and future and walking in your will in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.